Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. We're speaking the weekend after Welsh Labour delegates voted in favour of Senate expansion and electoral reform. Joining us to talk about this is Tom Hoyles, Political Officer for Wales for the GMB Trade Union. Hello, Tom. Hello. And Jennifer Burke-Davis, Welsh Labour Councillor for Land of North, Cabinet Member for Culture, Parks and Events in Cardiff Council. But for our purposes today, most importantly, uh, she was Cardiff North's delegate to the conference on the weekend. Hello, Jen. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. So for listeners who aren't familiar with the mechanics of the Labour Party, lucky, lucky people, uh, could you explain why the conference on the weekend happened and why it was necessary? Jen, do you want to maybe take that one on? I can certainly try. God knows that the Labour Party loves to have uh, conferences and, and rule changes and, and votes on things. So so Saturday saw us uh, attending a recall conference uh, at Portland House on Butte Street in Cardiff to vote on the offer that had come forward off the back of the cooperation agreement with Clyde Cymru looking at Senate reform specifically. So the Senate report that uh, had, had come out most recently, obviously but we've been talking about this for nearly 20 years since, since devolution began, that we need to have Senate reform and we need to move to at least um, to having 96 members of, of the Senate in order to better scrutinise governance that's coming from Welsh government and decisions made by the Senate. So the offer on the table was that we'd look to have these 96 members of the Senate moving from, from 60 is what we have at the moment, based on 40 constituency seats and, and 20 regional list MSs, and that those would be put forward on, uh, those additional representatives would be moved forward on a proportional representation system. And there was, uh, I think Tom would agree, there was a, a healthy dose of debate. I think the outcome of the vote was more generous than I thought it was going to be, than I had anticipated the result would, would be. And broadly speaking, I thought the debate was quite well balanced and some really interesting points were brought forward. But Ultimately, it was decided that um, that we should go forward with, with proposals. Tom, I think unless you're, you know, well initiated in how the Labour Party works, you may not understand exactly who was in that room. So, obviously, many people would understand why the Labour Party members were there. But talk a little bit about the role of affiliates and trade unions in this process, if you could, Tom. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably a good place for us to start. So, I mean, the Labour Party was founded, uh, I think, over 100 years ago now, isn't it? Yeah, 1900s by an association of trade unions. And basically, uh, the Labour Party is it's a broad church organisation made up of, of several different parts. Now, there's the membership of the Labour Party in Wales, which makes up one choke, one chunk even. Uh, and that's broken down into CLP. So each CLP gets to send a delegate to the party conference or to... To, to the as a, any sort of conference or discussion we have, you CLP delegates will be able uh, to come along. I think there are they they're broken down to match the current Senate and parliamentary boundaries in Wales. So, for example, Cardiff North, where Jen has come from, uh, has a, an MP and an AM, which are elected by their CLP. Now, the affiliates are slightly different. There's, there's two types: there's trade unions and then there's socialist societies. So the trade unions, of which GMB is one, Unite is another, ASDOR, Unison, we're not like other organisations. We are active players in the Labour Party. We're not lobbying groups. You know, we are part of the Labour Party. So we sit, on, for example, I sit for the GMB on the executive board for the Labour Party in Wales, on the NEC nationally, a bloke called Gav Sibthorpe does for it as well. I think we have Jen Smith also sits with me in Wales and Gav has another representative nationally. But what it means is that unlike other organisations whereby, you know, you can offer an opinion and lobby, say, a political party, like something like the CBI might do or, 
or other organizations, the Labour Party is an active player, which means we have an active share of the votes. That is broken down in the Labour Party in a wonderfully complex way. Basically, we have something called the Electoral College for, for conference decisions, which is made up of two parts. Uh, one part is the trade unions, and the other part then is the CLPs. I think it's important to say as well, when looking at it, basically trade unions as a group are much, much larger than the Labour Party. So, for example, GMB alone has more members in Wales than the Labour Party as a whole. And we're, you know, we're the third biggest, so Unison Unite will have more than us again. So one of the reasons we have an electoral college is to try and balance that out. So it's not trade unions just making decisions or the Labour Party membership. So we split it 50-50 down the middle. The trade union affiliates can, can make a decision. They are part of the electoral college, which makes up 50% of the final vote. And then on the CLP side, they take up about 50% of the vote as well. So we all have our debate. We all have a discussion. There's a vote at the end. There's some calculations that go on behind the scenes. And then we come to a decision. That was an incredibly well put <laughs> explainer of what happens in the Labour Party Electoral College. I could not have done any better myself. I've been working on it a lot, a lot in the last <laughs> few weeks. So like, I thought I'd get it all out, you know? Great. So many of our listeners would probably be a little surprised that the result of this was ever in doubt, given that the proposals had the backing of the First Minister. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about the arguments that were made and as well as your sort of own personal or professional opinions on, on, on what was proposed and why you came to the decision that you came to. Jen, do you want to start? I can, I can certainly try. I mean, I think it's worth mentioning that I voted for um, reform, but that doesn't mean to say that I agree with most of, of the proposals on the table. I think they need to be looked at, and those were, those were internal party processes that, that would address those issues and concerns. So we have been looking at uh, electoral reform for a good long time. I, I've moved, I moved to Wales in 2010, and I know that it's, it's certainly ramped up in the last few years. And I think for people who aren't involved in politics in the way that we're involved in politics, it can seem like all the sexy stuff that people care about on a day-to-day basis. It feels like it happens at Westminster, and it doesn't. It happens in Wales. Education and the NHS and transport, all the good stuff that we that we care about on a day-to-day basis really happens in, in the Senate. And we don't have the people. There aren't the numbers of, of people to scrutinise those decisions as, as we need them to. So Senate reform is right. We need, we need the experts. We need people with knowledge. We need more time and capacity within the Senate to be able to, to scrutinise those decisions and make sure that our Welsh government is uh, robust and stands up to scrutiny. We shouldn't be afraid of it. But on the other side of, of the coin, this system that's been proposed is, is far from perfect. You know, and Tom, Tom mentioned them on Saturday and a number of other colleagues from, from across the political spectrum that make up the Labour Party made really, really valid points that there, there are concerns that this would whilst it would in some senses broaden democracy, it would also limit democracy because the closeless system is less than ideal. Yes, you vote for the party. And in some instances, dare I say it, you might have to hold hold your nose and, and vote for the party because the candidate that has been selected isn't ideal or doesn't measure up to your standard of what you would want a candidate to be. And that's, I think, where um, where the internal party processes would come into play. So I think whilst I voted for the reforms for my women's branch of, of Cardiff North, we also, as as a party and, and as members who are, who are 
the Labour Party is made up of very, very engaged members. We have very passionate vocal members who want to see change. It's it's down to them then to bring forward those changes. And I think that starts now. And the offer on the table was we moved to 96 members and we used the closed list system. OK, fine. It's not ideal. Where you've said that there was a little bit of worry that perhaps the measures might not pass is because the unions like GMB put across a really compelling argument that this is flawed and it it is flawed I'm not going to stand here and say that it's perfect but if it's a case of we have electoral reform now or we don't have it because if you if we don't have it now when are we able to have this conversation again realistically it's not going to happen in the next 10 to 15 years so we missed the opportunity and that's kind of why I was voting for because I want to see better representation I want to see better scrutiny I want to see a better democracy not just you know within the within the Labour Party but across Wales more broadly and so I think it, it comes down to us as Labour members then to make sure that we hold the Welsh executive to account to make sure that the, the internal party processes are there to make sure that we're effectively putting our money where our mouth is, that we're making sure that the best candidates go forward and that there isn't a reason for someone to hold their nose and vote Labour. They're voting Labour because they passionately believe that the people we put forward are the right people for the job. Tom, obviously the GMB were were opposed to this proposal. Could you explain a little bit about why? I can. So I'm going to try and take this in three parts if I can, because it's quite a convoluted and complex argument because there's, there's quite a lot going on here. So, I mean, initially... The reason this came to a special conference was because the last Labour Party conference before this year was obviously before the Assembly election. And obviously at the Assembly election, despite Labour getting, you know, what was it, 49% of these, whatever percentage-wise, you know, one shorts, we need to go into a coalition. So there was a big discussion about how they do that. Uh, Mark Drakeford sat down with Adam Price and they agreed that cooperation deal, one of which was that, We'd look to increase the number of Senate members. So, like, in one respect, this issue had not been raised at any point before then. Now, if you're going to have more Senate members, you're going to need to choose how to elect them. And that's where the split happens. To clarify one other thing, and I think we should we should start with this right at the beginning, more than 75% of the delegates who were there on the weekend were in favour of more Senate members. GMB is in favour of more Senate members. ASDOR and community signed a letter with us saying they're exactly the same. All our internal processes came back and said, we all agree with more. One of the things that I found quite strange uh, about, well, I find quite strange because I've lived in Wales all my life. There's this kind of argument that starts about whether people are pro or anti-devolution. And I can't think of a serious organisation in the Labour Party that is. Beyond the fringes of the Tory party, I can't think of a serious organisation in Wales or serious politicians who are against devolution or having a Senate system that works, which will require more Senate members. Because as Jen pointed out, and I think there was a report all the way back in 2003 that pointed this out, there are just not enough Senate members at the moment to properly scrutinise government bills. So we're all on the same page as that. There's no anti-devolution feeling. And in fact, more than 75% of the delegates at the special conference at the weekend agree we need more Senate members. Where it splits is where it comes down to electoral systems. So again, going back to the GMB and how we internally make our decisions. GMB is, we're kind of, we're not quite federal, but we're a structure that we're divided into, as of July 1st, seven regions, but we were at nine before that point. And 
basic policy for everything is decided by the union's congress so once a year uh, we were in harrogate just a few weeks ago having this discussion actually everybody meets up all the union send delegations and we have a congress it's a policy making congress and it goes on for days we discuss everything from foreign affairs to to individual concerns of union members to energy policy and we set and define the union's policy position now some of that stuff obviously doesn't fit there like devolution is something that doesn't but on those kind of issues and on individual organizing issues it is the regions themselves who are sovereign which means that on this gmb are wales we're actually gmb wales and southwest so we, we're wales but we also organize the southwest uh, of England, which is sort of Gloucester and and down, so all the way down to Cornwall, we cover. I'm not the political officer for that area. I'm only the political officer for Wales, and we have separate political committees for Wales and the Southwest. You know, for a host of reasons, mainly because obviously in Wales we have a lot more upfront engagement with policy, whereas in the Southwest it's far more. <laughs> How do you fight Tory MPs, to be quite frank? You know, Bristol's quite good. GMB particularly has a strong presence in, in Plymouth. But, you know, we've got Exeter sort of in between and not much else. So there's obviously much more of a demand here. So we've kind of split those kind of things. So this came to us. We well, First off, we had the conference vote. We supported the conference motion on it because the key thing we wanted to say to Mark in those negotiations with Plaid Cymru. So... We took a, a there was a, a motion that came to conference outlining the kind of broad principles we'd expect Mark to negotiate in the deal. Now we were in favor of that because what we didn't want to do is tie Mark's arms behind his back before he goes in through. Mark went in there, he came back with this, which was 96 seats selected by PR. Now, GMB has a strong history of being a union that supports first past the post, but in particular is against PR. And I'll tell you why that. We're not a debating society. We're not a, you know, this isn't about individual views, liberal views on how British society should be formed. It is pure pragmatism. As a political officer for the GMB, my job is to get GMB motions, policies and ideas into government policy. That is the long and short of it. We want GMB representatives from branches, from wherever they work, be it the steelworks, a school canteen, we want to see them walk all the way from there to local town councils, to the Senate, to once upon a time to Strasbourg and, and, and to, to the Houses of Parliament in London, representing their union, the Labour Party, and all the, the people that have put them there and the policies that GMB holds as a union, which are decided by our members. Now, why does that mean first past the post is a political system? Well, quite simply because you have less chance of coalition governments. And in a coalition government, you have to trade away policies. So for us, PR is a system that is not famed for giving strong governments. Now, that might not be the case, what happens in Wales, but we haven't seen it elsewhere in the world so far. The current system obviously is half uh, first past the post, half PR, and we were keen to maintain that first past the post element, which we so far you know, currently gives the majority of our Labour Senate members because we think that link is ever so important that what we say in a branch meeting that becomes union policy, it tracks all the way up to becoming government policy and can't be traded away. And that's our view, it's a long held view. Many other unions hold the same view. In recent years, unions and the United have changed to a different view, which is they are in favor of more proportional systems. We are not. We took this decision to our regional political committee. We had the discussion there about what this would mean. And we obviously came out against it. 
purely because we felt that we could not endorse, you know, it'd be nonsensical for us to say that actually we think that for Scottish parliamentary elections and, and Westminster elections, we believe a first past the post is the system that fulfills all our, our demands. And then in Wales, you know, we think actually something completely different. It, it, it just doesn't hold water, right? Like that's that's the view. That's how we our Congress delegation voted on a, a bill just days before, back a, a couple of weeks ago. So for us, we were that that very much seemed the way that it was going, going to be. And for us, that was where the stickler came. So we couldn't endorse that. It wasn't about the 96 MSs. It was about the system. Mark believes that this is the best deal that he can get. And I've got no reason to, you know, Mark, I think, is a straight shooter. Mark Drakeford will tell you how he feels, what it is. You know, he is classic command in Wales, in my opinion. If he's got an issue, he'll tell you straight up, right? And we respect that. We've got a lot of time for Mark Drakeford. He's doing a lot of things, not least the social partnership deal, uh, which I was just giving evidence on today, actually. But, it, you know, there's a lot of good stuff we want there. <laughs> Our worry is a lot of that stuff will be traded away in a necessary coalition agreement. Now, Mark, as I said, Mark feels that he doesn't think that this deal could be reopened. This is this is it. We've got to do it now. We discovered that around six or seven weeks ago. Now, again, for us, there's no real time for consultation, a larger consultation beyond our usual system, which is to speak to our political committee and speak to a kind of wider group of members. Uh, there just was no time. In that time as well, we've had uh, Wales TUC Congress, we've had our National Congress, uh, we've had uh, you know various summer events, including there's a big demo in London uh, where all trains across the country came just a few weeks ago. We had the Bevan Festival Foundation on the Sunday yesterday. There's been a lot of things going on to try and you know condense all that down and have a proper consultation period, which is one of the reasons we sent the letter with Esdor and Unison. Because we felt there wasn't enough consultation, we felt that we couldn't support the system in the current route, and it, we don't we don't necessarily agree that you know Mark has a, his view. We don't agree with that view that this would be taken off the table. From our point of view, Play is in its essence a constitutional party. Its entire structure is based around having separate organisations for Wales and a separation for Wales, which is constitutional in its nature. So if it didn't happen within this period, we don't think that would have been the end of it. Now. It's easy enough for us to say that we were in those negotiations, but that's what we came to. So we went to Congress and uh, sorry to conference, and we voted against. Thanks, Tom. I'd be interested to hear both of your views on whether you think this system, which now does seem likely to to be sort of fait accompli, that it will actually happen. Do you think this will make it harder for Labour policies to find their way onto the statute book, Jen? Gosh, it's hard to say. For me, most things come down to how you convey the message. And if we are thorough, if we are compelling in our arguments, I don't think, you know, particularly the last the last couple of years with, with what Mark has managed to achieve and, and his, his governance, I don't think, you know, yes, there have been some unpopular opinions, particularly with some of his handling of COVID. And then as you got closer to the election, and you were knocking on doors, you could see that a lot of people, particularly compared to England, had, had were quite satisfied with, with his decisions and, and people felt safe. And so if, if it comes down to how we get Labour policies on the table and, and enacted, I, th- I think for us it's how we clearly communicate that message of what the goal is and how we would seek to achieve it. And if we have Labour policies that we want to bring to the, to the fore what is the end goal with that? How do we measure success? What is the Wales that we envision? And, and I think if we're able to convey that message to people about this i'm not saying we're, we're reaching for some 
Welsh Labour utopia. That's not going to happen. We need to be able to bring people with us and not everybody's going to agree with what we want to do. And that's that's fine and that's democracy. But how we convey that to people and how we bring people with us, I think I think that's as, as important as getting the thing on the table. And if we need to make concessions like we've had to do with Bide, you know, with certain elements of the cooperation agreement, we're both moving in the same direction. Yes, under this system, it may, it may not be a case that we are in government or there may be an element of um, a, a coalition uh, running the Senate. But broadly speaking, Plaid and Labour have a lot of common ground. I don't necessarily think that we would have to make too many concessions. And for me, it's how we we show people the Wales that we want to create, which isn't, it's, it's not a bad thing. I don't, I, obviously, I'm a Labour member. I'm a, I'm a Labour councillor. I'm a Labour politician, effectively. I don't disagree with the majority of things that we're doing. I don't agree with everything that we're doing all the time. Why would I? There is scope for disagreement. And I think that's, we can't forget that. But I think it, for me, it always comes down to how you talk to people, how you communicate with people and how you get them to come along with you and believe in what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, this isn't personal, Matt, but I can take issue with a question, <laughs> which is... You do. I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's as simple as that. The issue we've got now is... It's all about the arithmetic to get over the line, right? That is the simplest and most important lesson in politics, 50% plus one, right? And that goes back to when you're standing for school council to anything. If you get more people in the room than the other person, you can do what you want, right? And that's what it's about all the way along. Now, PR does make it harder to elect representatives. That doesn't necessarily, you know, in the short term, you know, it's not going to be... I don't think that overwhelmingly bad for Labour because I think people can see we're doing a very good job here in Wales. I think there's a lot of trust in Mark Drakeford as well. But in the short term, our issues would be, let's just work on the process that if we're doing a coalition deal with Plaid Gumbry now, right? You know, there's a lot of common ground, but there may be other parts of the agenda they do have an issue with. And it's because of, you know, Plaid Gumbry's makeup is very different to the Labour Party's makeup. And for a host of reasons, you know, they, they, they emphasise the common ground that kind of like left wing radicalism. That's one part of Plaid Cymru. But, you know, there's another part of Plaid Cymru, which is, you know, very pro-renewable energy. And the Labour Party is pro-renewable energy. But, for example, GMB is a pro-nuclear union. Now, we don't know how Plaid Cymru, how much of a priority that would be for Plaid Cymru. And should we come to coalition talks, what they would, you know, demand for some of the stuff we need to do to look for more nuclear energy in Wales, which is, you know, GMB's goal. So for us, that stuff might be bad, but then other parts of it might be good. It might be good for one wing of the Labour Party who's interested in something to use Plaid to get it through. And then likewise with Plaid Cymru, be able to use Labour to get through. But there's another thing, isn't there, which is that actually there's a possibility Labour could not be in government with this. And again, that's why we were a union in favour of first past the post, because... I mean, look, look at the Liberals, right? Like they, you know, as a party, the Liberal, you know, forget pre, pre-Lib Dem, you know, they were wiped out over 100 years ago, or whatever, right? And they just managed to cling on to seats at the first past the post because of the, the intrinsic season system. Now, we think that gives an important safeguard to Labour, you know, because if you're going to form a political party today, I don't think I'm convinced that people would do it in the way that we formed the Labour Party, which was trade unions clubbing together and doing it. You probably look more like an associate model like they have in the Democratic Party in America or elsewhere, where trade unions influence the policy agenda, but aren't overwhelmingly involved because it gives you the ability to sound off if you don't like what you get. And likewise, if you're an unpopular government that has to have a fight with unions, you can push away from each other. I don't think the Labour Party would ever do that because of our makeup. But if there was an issue where we, for example, got wiped out, that might 
become an issue? What would trade unions do then? You know, where would you find your thing with different trade unions in different parties? So there's one theory. I mean, that's, I think, on the whole, unlikely to happen anyway. But something that probably could be more likely is I think that quite often our parties, and I include Plaid in this as well, get kind of caught up in the aggressive view of history, that this is kind of, you know, this is the overwhelming, this is the way history goes and nothing can stop that. Everyone is progressing, becoming smarter, making more liberal, you know, socially conscious choices. I, I think there's a risk there. And, you know, like, let's not forget Wales voted for Brexit, you know, uh, and the Welsh Conservative Party usually take up about a third of the vote. They have done historically almost throughout all elections. Uh, and there's a re re very real risk there that that could change under PR. There could be a situation whereby if Labour has a bad year, the Tories could get a, a, a larger share of the vote. It could be that because of the changing nature, the debate changes in five or six years, and there's a, a, a deal between Plaid Cymru and the Tories. You, you know, I mean, again, I don't think right now that doesn't seem likely, but you don't know what is coming down the road. Likewise, you know, who would have thought 10 years ago we'd have left the European Union? It was a, you know, a niche view, save for the, the fringes of the Tory party. So in the short term, I don't think there is. I think in the longer term, there probably isn't. The key questions will be what stuff goes through. And once that happens, you then have to look at the coalition of voters who support political parties, where they go. Because it might be that some of the policies that we passed with Plaid Cymru are unpopular for a group of voters, say, in parts of the valleys or something. And it might be with Plaid Cymru that parts of the proposals that they pose with us in this coalition agreement in West Wales, they would decide that they no longer want to be part of Plaid Cymru, which changes the voting structure. So these proposals almost inevitably mean there will be an increase in the number of Labour members of the Senate. And if, when you combine that with an expected reduction in the number of overall MPs due to proposed boundary changes, what kind of effect do you think that will have on the party in Wales and particularly the focus of members and politicians as, as they look to see how they can best make life better for people in Wales? Do you think that the, the view that has always been happened that the most important election necessarily is winning at Westminster. Do you think that could ever change? Uh, I don't think that is the view of the Welsh Labour Party. I think the view of the Welsh Labour Party has been pretty consistent for the last, well, over the last 10 years since I've been involved, is that the big election for us is the Senate election or the Assembly election before it. I don't think that will change. I think that increasing the amount of, of MSs will actually probably reinforce that. I do think that there is a bigger question about the MPs' role in Wales. Uh, I think that's something that the party needs to look at because they obviously cannot get involved in a lot of the kind of policy debates and stuff here because they're just not in any position to do so. But again, just to go back a step as well, it's it's not a one or the other, right? You know, my belief and the GMB's belief is that the best deal for Wales is a strong Labour government for Westminster and a strong Labour government in Cardiff Bay because that is the way as a trade union, our values are enacted. And we're a blue-collar union. We generally have people on the lowest pay grades. And we've seen under Labour governments, those people lifted out of poverty. We've seen children given the opportunity to see our country rebuilt, both Wales and the United Kingdom as a whole. We think that's the winning formula. This kind of ongoing Senate or, or, car, or London thing, I think is counterproductive. It's exactly the kind of conversation the Tories want us to have so that we can rather split eggs on our end, you know, split hairs, excuse me, split eggs if you want, split hairs our end and, and worry about all these things and having internal fights rather than doing what we should be doing, which is 
working extra hard to make sure that we win elections in both of both of the both of the, the uh, legislative legislatures and actually make the big difference this country needs. Yeah, and do you think this will have any impact on on the party having that now? Well, there's there's always been more Labour MSs than Labour MPs, but this will flip the scale quite considerably. You would think in terms of there being significantly more MSs than Labour MPs. Do you think that will have any impact on just how the party feels and functions? You know, Tom's made some really, really good points there that Welsh Labour MPs can't get involved in conversations that happen here on, on devolved things. They, they have very little input into changing policy or to, or to be able to, to, to discuss things. And we see that time and time again. But I think, you know, where there's an opportunity, we've got a lot of talent in the Labour Party and where there's an opportunity that potentially with uh, the, boundary, the boundary changes coming up, if, if there was a, an MP who was potentially going to lose their seat because the map was being redrawn, is there an opportunity for them to consider sitting in the Senate and bring that knowledge and, and experience with them? I would, I would like to think if, if they were in a position to do that, that that would, would, would be possible and they would, they would um, go through the process. There's no reason why a strong Senate can't lead to a stronger, a, a strong UK Labour government. You know, people, people see the good that Labour are doing in Wales and, and hopefully then that would give a bounce to colleagues in England. You know, how many times has it been said over the last two or three years, look at what Welsh Labour are doing, the only Labour government that we have in the UK, why can't they do that in England? Keir should be looking to Mark. He's a fantastic politician and he's, you know, it's, it's said that he's the grandfather of Wales. He is, he's warm and he's he's compassionate and he is able to talk to people. And I'm not saying that Keir isn't any of those things, although I won't, I won't aim Jim and call him the grandfather of Wales. But, <laughs> <laughs> but Mark is doing things in Wales that, 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 the UK government, that the UK Labour Party just aren't able to do because they're not in power yet. But hopefully... From the good that we're doing in Wales, English Labour, UK Labour would get uh, about. Um, there would be a sense of, of um, let, let's carry on the good work into onto that side of the border. Can I just add to that? I appreciate that. Apologies, I might be cutting you across here, Jen. But I, I mean, I, I actually agree. I think that, you know, like, but I, I don't think the issue is about, again, us and them. It's about why we're not having conversations as a whole about the UK. And it is like... You know, like the, you put the news on and the conversations are, unless you're watching like, you know, the, the Welsh news at say, you know, 10 to 7 or whatever comes on, 20 to or 6 or whatever. National stories just seem to be about English things. And, and you know, sometimes a, a Scotland or a Wales story check in there. But actually what we need is a space where all these things are discussed in the round because that's where, you know, what we are, which is a, a, a you know, we are a united kingdom where we've got four nations involved and we should all be engaging in each other's stuff. I mean, look at the Northern Ireland stuff. How embarrassing. I mean, God, we did after hundreds, you know, over, hundreds of years of poor British policy over there, forcing half of the over half of them to flee around the world and, and you know, the potato famine and all that, and all the, the problems in Northern Ireland. Hardly a word on Brexit, hardly a word in the Brexit debate. And we've got to that there. And I had a conversation with somebody the other day about water in Wales. And, you know, if there's, if, they didn't really seem to understand. And it's not because they're ignorant or they don't care or they think it belongs to them. It's because they just, they've never heard the argument before. They don't understand the sensitivities around these things. And the truth is, until we all start doing that more, we will remain in this kind of situation whereby identity politics kind of, you know, takes over thing. Well, I'm Welsh, therefore I believe this, this and this, rather than saying, actually, what's good for, for everybody? And that's where I think we should get. And I think just on the media thing, I think you're absolutely right. It, the media, is, it's got to be where it starts. No more of this kind of Westminster culture of, you know, who's doing what in, in, in backroom deals and gossip and all that kind of stuff. It's got to be real debate on the issues that matter. 
real discussions on why we have different policy here than we do in other parts of the UK and real engagement from with each other so that we can get to a point where we all understand the differences, respect the differences, enjoy the differences, but as well as that, come together and realise they make us strong. Thank you, Tom, for that fantastic advert for why everyone should subscribe to independent Welsh podcasts. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I have one more question before you go, uh, and this is, you know, on, on Tadki Cymru, on Mark himself. Uh, so a lot of people have talked about the role that Mark has played in, in formulating these proposals and, uh, and eventually the legislation that will go through the Senate that will confirm them. But we've seen an awful lot of speculation recently about calls for him to delay his retirement and use his political capital and influence to make sure these changes are embedded after the next election. Do you think that is likely or do you envisage Mark standing down as most people predict next summer? I was just doing some quick maths about where we are in the electoral cycle next summer. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. To be honest, so I used to work for the party. I worked for the, for the Welsh Labour for six years and I um, was actually on maternity leave when the leadership election happened. So I so I kind of missed it a little bit because I was up to my eyes um, in nappies. But from conversations I'd had with Mark before um, about how he was enjoying like life generally, when he stood, I was shocked. It took me aback. He wasn't one of the people that I would have considered. And yet... He's done a good job. You know, you can't deny that. He seems to be enjoying himself. He's got this huge boost off last year's Senate elections. I'd like to see him continue to enjoy himself whilst also we have a conversation about what's the next step for, for Welsh Labour and, and for the country. And, and if there were any candidates who want to come forward, that they start planning and maybe making themselves not known. You know, he's not a lame duck by any stretch of the imagination, but there needs to be some level of succession planning. And I, I always think that's healthy and, and smart. So I think he, he use the time he has to, 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 to see the reform through. And we, we still, we, we're in the COVID recovery period. Cases are on the rise. I, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't predict what's going to happen, but we're not out of the woods. So if he stays for another two years, that would put us two years out from election. And maybe then, so, so maybe not next summer, but maybe the summer after. Tom? Look, let's be clear. I think, particularly during the, the, the lockdown, you know, and, and the whole COVID pandemic, you know, Mark, you know, the Tad Key way on things, just, just spot on, wasn't it? It was just like, beyond like political views, he completely understood that the thing people in Wales want is caution, calmness, and, and, and thinking about things before they're embedded. And, and does anybody embody that more than Mark Drakeford? No, they, they don't, is the truth, isn't it? And, if Mark wanted to say, stay, I don't think there would be many complaints, to be honest with you. Certainly not from us and, and other trade unions, I'm sure. But his legacy is safe, isn't it? You know, like these reforms, it was an overwhelming majority in the weekend. You know, we didn't want it. We, we thought we should have had more time to discuss the proposals, but it's done. That will happen, is, is my opinion. There's no other way it can really be stopped. And so is there any need? If Mark wants to stay on and bed it in, he can but in truth, I can't imagine there'll be any issue with him going because they will happen anyway. And I think other key parties, like they just, you know, the social partnership bill, which apologies for plugging this as well, but this is our key thing. It's, it's an ultimately revolutionary bill. It will change the way that, that Wales is run. It will mean that actually, like we were talking today about the speed you can make decisions with the level of information. So something like a workplace risk assessment 
generally takes months of argument between employers and, and workplaces and possibly government departments if you're involving them. But actually in lockdown, despite every day the guidance changing on, on what was dangerous with COVID, they managed to put it through in record time and there were very few problems with that. And I think that that kind of like leadership on those things, which was heavily down to Mark, as this Mark has made this one of his core policies, means that that will happen. So the key tenants of his legacy are, are safe and secure. So the choice is for him is when does he want to go? I mean, like I think Jen pointed out, well, if, it, you know, if I was Mark, Maybe I'm just lazy, but I'd be like, oh, that was quite a shift, right, guys? You know, let's get these key things done. I'm, I'm going fishing or whatever. I don't fish, but, you know, I, I do. Mark looks like he might fish, but that would be very much my kind of my kind of thought. But again, it's his choice. If he feels that there are, I'm sure if he feels that there's something not secure there, he'll continue to stay. Because I think the key, you know, the key point is Mark has a lot of goodwill from the Labour Party, but as well as that, outside the Labour Party. So my suspicion is that, it's his turn to decide his choice to decide when he goes. The issue will be: Does he believe that the legacy is secured? From our point of view, I think he's secured everything. But you know, if he wants to stay, that's that's his call. Thank you both so much for coming on to talk to us. If people want to hear more from you, where can they go and find you on Twitter, Tom? They can get me at T Hoyles. But just to let you know, it'll mainly be rugby chat and food tweets. So, uh, uh, but you but take a look. There's occasional political tweet in there. Great, thanks, Tom and Jen. Um, I'm at Jen B underscore Davis with an E and I mainly tweet about my kids and politics. I follow Jen, it's worth it. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> so do I. Thank you. Very worth it. Again, thank you so much for coming on. If you enjoyed what you've heard this evening, please don't forget to find us on Twitter and Facebook at Here I Pod or go to our website www.walespolitics.com Thank you for listening to Here I. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.